listening to Who You Know, So Far As You Know, and I'm Dmitry Samarov. Today I bring you a conversation uh, with Mark Fisher. Uh, Mark uh, runs uh, an entity called Public Collectors and is also part of a collective called uh, Temporary Services. Uh, his activities are many and uh, varied, uh, but usually involved with printed matter um, of various kinds, which you'll hear about during the conversation. We also talk about Chicago, gentrification, uh, other various public and private activities around town, uh, museums, and his uh, many, many years of teaching. Uh, hope you enjoyed the talk as much, half as much as I did. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we'll be able to do this. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, so how how's your how's your morning so far? Uh, my, my morning is okay. Um, I'm not teaching. Oh, you're not today. Today, yeah. Today's kind of an open day, so the uh, my morning. Um, we so uh, it's been almost a it's been a little over a year that my wife and I adopted a dog. Oh, and um, what sort of dog? He is a uh, almost ten-year-old Datsun Chihuahua mix. Oh, ankle biter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, or potentially. <laughs> well, he's got like about eight teeth, so oh. he can a- like ankle gummer or ankle nar. <laughs> yeah, m- more like more like liquor, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, so, so often, uh, my schedule gets determined by his needs. I mean, it's sort of insane that yes. this like 11 pound yeah. beast is able to control every, every, <laughs> oh, everything. Yeah. I, I've lived with one, the last lady I lived with, she had one of those chihuahua uh-huh. mix. Like, yeah, they control everything. Like um, your whole life is, yes circling around their needs always yeah yeah so i mean my <laughs> wife works from from home oh, but uh okay. but 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 usually i do the morning routine mm. and yeah i've been outside like three times already yeah many because, walks huh <laughs> yeah but i mean you know this is also this is like part of what we were in it for like you know yeah. i and um i mean i'm highly observant of stuff in my neighborhood and he of course has like every yeah partial piece of chicken's location memorized yeah. you know by smell and stuff and so it um <laughs> uh so i think like our shared observantness is um it's kind of a nice thing i mean it, it yeah have you started is there a new collection or a new thing connected to what the dog finds or like <laughs> you should have the. You should have this. What's the dog's name? Uh, Rusty. We we just took the name he came with. Okay, you should have Rust Rusty do a, a risograph like series. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely. I mean, I've definitely given thought to um to what we might work on together, and uh, it it just I just haven't um I haven't uh figured that out it's yet. all gross leavings of of people's food <laughs> yeah i mean um 
Yeah, I mean, I took some pictures the other day. We gave him this stuffed animal that he, like, mm. it's taken a full year for him to remove the tail from oh, this okay. monkey. And, uh, like, his various sort of levels of destruction of the the animals that he yeah. corrals. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, lately, some yeah, I mean, so one of the things that's been, um, in terms of just observing my neighborhood that I've been kind of fixated on is I, I live in Avondale and um, I mean, like all parts of Chicago, there's all kinds of development happening here yeah. and, and a lot of it's, uh, you know, hideous looking, hideously Gla- glass expensive. And co- glass and concrete monstrosities, like these office building kind of things that are now considered homes. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, some of it's it's brick, but it's like yeah. they'll cheap they'll cheap out on the yeah. things that would yeah. make it attractive to anyone else. Like use the yes. fewest number of windows and yeah. Um, but uh, so I've been really haunted by this story you probably read about recently of this student who was hit in the head with a piece of falling debris right right from yeah. a building in Wicker Park. And I sort of saw, um, I saw this like an earlier version of the story, but I didn't actually read it. And then I read a follow up recently. And in in, I, in in Block Club, or yeah, that one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. That. yeah, that's horrific. Yeah, yeah. And I and I looked at you know, and then I saw the photo and read the name, and I'm like, oh fuck! Like I, she was my student. Mm. Like so, a few years ago, she was a oh, student of oh, mine, Jesus. <laughs> and, um. And, I, and it's like, you know, I don't stay in touch with every single past student and, sure. um, you know, even like some of the ones that are really good. And she was one of the better students in a class that was kind of challenging for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I haven't reached out to her, but it's really been, it's been like bugging at me. Yeah. Um, I remember like, I think it was like not that long after I moved to Chicago, there was this horrible story of... This woman, this like when, young when, woman. When who, did you when did you move here? I moved here in ninety three. Ninety three, okay. I feel like it was like in the mid to late nineties. There was this story where of this um, this young woman who was visiting Chicago to look at colleges with her father, mm. and they were walking down Michigan Avenue, and he was it was in the winter, yeah. and her father was hit in the head by a piece of ice that fell off of a building, <sighs> and killed just instantly. Um, uh. And I, 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 for some reason, I always remember that the newspaper sensitively described it as a microwave-sized pizza piece of ice, uh, um, <laughs> which, like, like I don't know how you like, I don't know like what they teach in journalism in school about, um, you know, comparisons. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, when someone is killed by an object. Well, usually um, it's the falling piano, right? Or famously in 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 slapstick, in silent slapstick films. Or yeah, be, the the yeah, piano like, falls on the guy or whatever. Yeah, that'd be that that'd be a pretty big piece of ice. Maybe yes, like a Casio that, keyboard size piece of ice or something. Yeah, a, a small Moog synthesizer. Yeah, yeah a Moog uh, synthesizer killed a piece of a the, the yeah. father of a perspective. <laughs> SAIC but, student or something. <laughs> right. But anyway, so I mean, I've, I've just been like, I've been really like horrified uh, reading about this woman's ordeal because it's, I mean, it's just, you know, we have so many construction sites like this. And so there's one in my neighborhood about mm. two and a half blocks from where I live yeah. that I've been really fixated on because 
these these fuckers have been blocking the hydrant with like these huge pallets of cinder blocks Mm -hmm. for like a year oh yeah and and at one point uh it's like the slowest development i've ever seen i mean it's just it's and it's two it's like two buildings across the street from each other along belmont Mm. and um and now like it's finally tall enough that they have scaffolding and um one of my other neighbors pointed out on this Facebook community group that now they're leaving bricks and cinder blocks way up on this scaffolding that oh, has yeah. no, that has no construction canopy. Like if, oh. so if something blows off, like it's just going to hit yeah, and, whoever. Yeah. We live you know. in Chicago. It's called the fucking right. windy city for a reason. <laughs> you know, like there, right, are, right. there are winds here. <laughs> so yeah. So part of my, like what my, exploring the neighborhood with my dog is checking up on this and yesterday i just about like lost it on one of yeah. the workers um yeah. you know because i'm like because i guess they got an order maybe to clean up the site and his idea of cleaning it yeah. was like cleaning the dirt and debris from around the cinder blocks but oh, not yeah. actually moving them <laughs> and it's like yeah that that's like not that's not the problem like you can drive yeah. over dirt you yeah. can't like access a hydrant if it's surrounded by pallets of material so um this is like my second kind of i don't don't know if we ever talked about like um there was a proposal to tear down this building right next to my house no no i don't don't know about this oh yeah so this was um this was like my summer project and i haven't figured out i mean i think like it's like it's like the walks with the dog like you know you spend so much time doing it the natural inclination is like, is there any way this could become something art related to sort of yeah. make you feel like, you know, this piece of your life that now takes up quite a bit of time mm-hmm. get become something other than just, you know, I mean, it's like, it would be fine for it just to be calories expended and steps or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, or like talking to more of my neighbors than I ever have. Mm. But, um, but, but, Anyway, there, there's a. Uh, I live next to this hundred plus year old brick, four story building, and mm-hmm. the guy who owns it wanted to tear it down and build. It's on like a extra wide lot. Okay. And um, so he wanted to tear it down and build this like six unit condo building. Sure. That that ate up the entire width of the lot and went like further back. Yeah. So it basically like cast my backyard in shade. It's what and, it, uh, it's what uh, Robert Crumb famously called dream homes, which is a phrase that's always stuck in my head. Dream home, like it, it's it's when Crumb and his wife are walking around and they're seeing the new, like these new McMansions being built up in France, like near where they live. And they call them dream homes, and it's always stayed in my head. You know, like it's whatever the like, opposite of it, a dream. But is. Isn't, isn't there a developer that that uses that? Like, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I think I'm there. Sure. I think there are multiple. I feel like yeah. I see that. Like, it's got like a trademark next yeah. to it now. Yeah, like dream home, whatever air conditioned nightmare. You know, right, yeah, yeah. right. But that's when I say dream home, I never mean it in any way but ironically you know yeah of course yeah um but yeah that's what those i I always see that when they pop up like mushrooms these new houses wasn't it like a barbie thing like oh the barber home barbie's had a dream home maybe that's where it all came from it it all came from barbie i'm sure i'm sure crumb was closely looking at 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 barbie Uh, barbie's uh, ass wasn't big enough for crumb right right (laughs) If right. if i understand his his tastes in ladies 
she wasn't the right proportions. <laughs> right. Not right. that she had, you know, that it's been studied like her proportions are not actually human, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, Crum had a has a very particular kind of lady that he enjoys. <laughs> but but not her architecture. Yeah. Um, either yeah. no. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, so like you know, the, so my neighbor, yeah. you know, who or the guy who owns the building next to me, of course, he doesn't live in the neighborhood. Yeah. He lives like in the suburb somewhere. Sure. And you know, and, and and it's that the building that he owns has been um, it's subsidized housing. Oh, so okay. all of the people living there have, um, you know, have been like lower income, and and they've always been cool we've never had any issues with the people he rents to and, and you know just like affordable housing yeah or subsidized housing is a really rare thing in a lot of parts of chicago now and definitely yeah. in my neighborhood so um so he went to tear this thing down and turn it into condos and in order to do that because of course he wanted to scale up like it's never enough to keep it the size it is sure um or or retain the existing architecture which Yep. I imagine is fine because like these, these homes are from a hundred years ago are so well built, you know? Yeah. I mean, his, his building was probably built by the same architect as my bungalow and, you know, it's like three layers of brick and it's right. just like, you know, they're indestructible. And, um, so he needed a zoning, uh, change to be approved to build mm -hmm. this large. Yeah. And, you know, you, the way this works is like you get the letter in the mail um, which is oh, all the neighbors do, right? Or, or well, or some of them. I mean, yeah. yeah see, I, I learned so much about this because yeah. I'd never, I didn't, I knew not, everything I know about zoning. I learned last summer, basically. Yeah. It's like, um, and so they have to legally notify everyone who lives within 250 feet of the mm. property. Okay. Of course, like this affects people who live well beyond 250 sure. feet. Yeah. But um, but that's what they legally have to do. But the thing is, you know, the only people who find out are homeowners. So sure. all these people who are yeah. renting have no idea. And, you know, I, I've been living in my place for 10 years, but lots of people have been renting nearby yeah. for 20 years, right? Yeah. Or 30 years. You, oh, so, so you, you've, you've owned your place for 10 years, you're saying? Or, or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and then they have a community meeting and to, like, talk about this proposal mm. and to... And, and, you know, the way they do this, it's like, so of course it's on Zoom yeah. and lots of people don't know the technology. Of course, the letter is only in English and sure. tons of my neighbors only read Polish or Spanish. Right. Um, and then, you know, it's at like a convenient time, like five o'clock on a Thursday or yeah. something. Like when a lot of people are on their way home from work and stuff like that. Right. Or 5.30 or 6 or something. Um and uh, so I just sort of got this, you know, my wife and I got this letter in the mail and it's just like, it's like the last thing you want to read, you know, yeah. that you're going to, that like this kind of architecture you can't stand that will, that just trans, completely transforms the neighborhood, like as it gets and built it's, more It's and right more in and, your, right in your grill, as they say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's casting it's it's casting a shadow over my grill yeah. in the backyard. Well, yeah, your grill, <laughs> yeah, your entire property will be in shadow because this thing is going to hulk over it, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, and, then, and it's like, you know, you, you watch, like, how they do these things, and it's like, oh, I mean, the, there's going to be asbestos dust and, like, lead dust just blanketing the neighborhood. Yeah. And this guy who's owned this building has, like, cheaped out on everything. Sure. And now it's, like, it's cheaper to, like, tear it down, he thinks, and to fix it up. So, anyway, so we had to we had to rally, like, I had to go meet all of my neighbors, basically, mm-hmm. to because it was just clear that... I mean, of course, the people who live next to this thing are going to be the most passionate. And my neighbor on the other side of the building, I think, just, like, kind of didn't have the time or wherewithal to be, like, the huge pain in the ass that I was preparing to be in this process. And um, so I was, like, going around, like, talking to every neighbor. I had, you know, like, people I've never met who've lived there just as long as I have. And, you know, we had the community meeting. Of course, they don't show you what they want to build until the meeting. So you spend the whole meeting asking them questions about what this thing is. Not like, you know, before you can even like, you don't get like time to develop arguments very carefully about about what it means because you're just finding out. You know, then um, there's like this feedback period so then you've got to like get everyone on board to send the alderman feedback, and you have to inform all these people yeah. who missed the meeting. Sure. And th- and then they have a second meeting, like it was like, you know, three months later, the week before Christmas or something. And I guess like w- we collected or people sent in enough negative feedback that they um, they downgraded their proposal. Mm. Uh, to something slightly smaller, but still really horrible. But it still required a zoning change to, yeah. to go through. It still required like an upzoning. Yeah. And so then it was like you had, I had to like rally all the neighbors who said they were against it the first time, yeah. and get them to say they were against it the second time. And other people were doing that. And amazingly, because this is such a rarity, especially in my ward, I think. The aldermen uh, rejected the zoning oh. change, um, so they've stopped trying to build this thing. Oh, so they so he's stuck with the old building. Yeah. So now and now he's I guess slowly going to fix it up or fix it up yeah. and try to sell it. And I, the thing that's the thing that's so gross with this, right, mm-hmm. is that like like this guy bought this building for two hundred fifty thousand dollars ten years ago. Wow. And he could probably and he could probably sell it as is, like yeah. he could do nothing, and get like three quarters of a million dollars. Sure, yeah. Which, like, I mean, like, I don't know why that isn't enough, you know? Yeah. Like, 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 like why is a five hundred thousand dollar profit inadequate? Yeah. And um. Well, yeah, you you, you want to solve the mystery of like why capitalism or how capitalism works. <laughs> Good luck right. there, Mar- good luck there, Mark. <laughs> We're not going to solve it during this talk. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know. But... I have a, I have a, a slightly similar uh, thing I've been observing since last August. When last August, um, my landlords who live upstairs or used to live upstairs have started gut ha- gut rehabbing uh, this building. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for where I live, which is on the ground floor. So I've I've watched slowly this thing. It's still going. They're still not done. Uh, this thing come together, and what a contrast it is the way they're doing it, rather to these, 
new constructions at the end of my street by the what by what used to be called Bubbly Brook, you know. The end of my street, uh -huh. I'm on a street called Lock Street. Uh dead ends into what used to be called Bubbly Brook, you know, which where the runoff from the uh the stockyards used to go. <laughs> but these uh -huh. things uh, have like whole rows of them have gone up in the time that these guys that are working on this house are still not done, you know. Right. That's right. the that's the contrast of doing it the quick, cheap way, and, and then like the old school way, you know. <laughs> They're building this thing. I mean, this thing, this house is an 1875 workers' cottage, and you know the way the way they were working, they added half a story to it, so they uh -huh. have more living space. Uh, but yeah, it's going to stand another 200 years if there's still a world. Then you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean. <laughs> so it's kind of an amazing thing to watch and be part of. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're, I think that, yeah, they're just, they're building with the idea of, uh, you know, shortened uh, existence for humanity from <laughs> climate breakdowns. Like, oh, well, there's only going to be people for like 40 years or so. so. Well, they, well, it's a, <laughs> it's a short term on every front. Like these buildings are starter homes for like, for yuppies who late, who will inevitably have, you know, progeny and move out to the suburbs where they're from mm -hmm. you know like that's like i i know i know that was happening in, the, in wicker park when i lived in wicker park these horrible new new condos would spring up and they almost instantly became you know sick buildings you know because they'd have right, these problems right. uh either hvac or other kinds of problems from cut corners yeah yeah, I mean, this whole ordeal um, next to me, so it just kind of, it sensitized, because I, I just, you know, I, I knew nothing about, like, what RM 4.5 zoning meant, and then, you know, I started looking at these zoning maps. There were a couple friends who were amazing at helping me understand all the nuances of these issues, because, you, you know, it's, it's just so hard to... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, if I wasn't teaching, like, because it was, like, on summer break or whatever, and I wasn't yeah. working as much was sort of the only reason I had time and the capacity to try to learn all this crap. And, um, but you know, you sort of see like how few buildings where I live have the zoning that they were trying to get. But yeah. then once, you know, a couple of them get it, it's like, it just sort of creates an argument for this domino effect of everyone being able to tear down everything and build sure. this stuff. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but like for a long, long time in Wicker Park specific, I know this, uh, they had this ordinance where like you couldn't have like chain restaurants or chain like these, these places, you know, anywhere near that intersection. Mm -hmm. And slow, they, you know, they slowly chipped away at it, chipped away at it to where like at any fucking chain you could think of could be, any, you know, where, you know, Starbucks is right in the middle of it, right in the crotch. One of the points of the crotch is, is a right. fucking Starbucks, you know, so, and there's a Dunkin' Donuts, or used to be, like, just off the other end, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and a, a Walgreens, and, <laughs> but, yeah, for right. a time, like, they had these local ordinances where they were trying to preserve the neighborhood, you know, whatever, the historical character of the neighborhood, but, uh, yeah, if you throw enough money and fancy lawyers at it, it's, it'll die you know it can only fight right. so, for so long there's 
every everybody's got a has a price uh and you know more recently it's happened in pilsen you know they've been working on pilsen for a long long time but it's yeah it's, yeah. it's full-on wicker park you know late 90s now or early 2000s you know it's it's very very fancy and it's not uh, you know it's not uh such a simple thing like the whole gentrification thing because I know a lot of longtime homeowners over there that have held on for decades and decades, and they're happy to cash out, you know, because they yeah, put in, they put in the t- yeah they've put in the time, you know, and they're ready, they're older, they're ready to retire, they're happy to take their fucking million dollars and retire wherever they want to retire to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but it just seems yeah. like I, I mean, I can't imagine where I'd move to in the city. Like, if if I did that, it would have to be. Mm. to another state or something because uh <laughs> no because i mean it's like you know so yeah you like get like twice the value for your home and then you buy what a smaller place for the same amount of money or something yeah you... you probably wouldn't if if you were interested in owning a place you probably wouldn't be in chicago or you'd be on the outskirts somewhere you know i mean it's a right huge, or... it's a huge city you can you can find new new places but they will not be the ones you're used to. Uh, right. That's for sure. It'll be an assisted living facility. Uh, Maybe. Uh, <laughs> once, I've, once I've purged all my books and records and crap. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, In uh, years or something. So where did you come from before uh, Chicago and what brought you here? Oh, I went, I was, uh, I came from Pittsburgh. So I, I'm, right. I was born in Philadelphia. Mm. I left Philadelphia to go to college in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon for my BFA, and then I applied to um, I applied to four grad schools, one in New York, mm-hmm. which is the one I didn't get into, so that made that decision easy. Yeah, and then three in Chicago, and I got into all three Chicago places. Um, so I went to University of Chicago from ninety yeah. three to ninety five, and that was okay. yeah. So that that decided the move, and then um, yeah. So I lived in Hyde Park when I was in school. Yeah. And didn't have a car and stuff. And then after that, I basically, I had a car and I basically, I drove to the empty bottle. Yeah. And parked <laughs> my car um, <laughs> near the empty bottle and walked around looking for for rent signs. Mm. Um, because I knew that I wanted to be close to, like that was, you know, it's like Lounge X had kind of stopped. Yeah. Was was ending around then, and the empty bottle was booking the kind of stuff that I yeah, was and, into. Yeah, and Finkelman made sure they couldn't they couldn't uh, find a new place. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. He he cut them off at the ankles. That fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't he, know that. And and he very specifically yeah opened that place to yeah yeah to take over whatever action yeah Loungex had yeah. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> uh, Anyways, <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I know always... I, I know a little too much about how the sausage gets made around some of these places, but <laughs> you're, you're always very reliable, uh, you know, destroyer of um, <laughs> of uh, illusions of. Um... No, I mean, look, but, the yeah. empty bottle is like my favorite place to see a show to this day, you know, but. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very mixed bag as to how it came to be and what you know the management problems and yeah no place is perfect <laughs> right right yeah so um <laughs> sorry, anyway, that, sorry that, that yeah. Is, uh... <laughs> i'm i'm a i'm an inveterate 
popper of balloons, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, but you're, you're, I'm, a, I'm a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got a parade? I'll, and, rain, I'll rain on it, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. So go ahead. Go anyway, ahead, and, anyway, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like bocce pizza that I that yeah. led me to move to. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, although I ate there many yeah. times before the. Yeah. There was that there was that split between like the village pizza family and yeah. the bocce pizza. I love that that guy was like the crankiest man on earth. The guy that's the, uh, yeah, the village J- pizza guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, he was he was just like out of sort of Archie Bunker slash I don't know slash uh, like that guy on Taxi that Christopher Lloyd played, you know, or something like this disgruntled weird like I don't know. He's kind of amazing. I, I like. I, I I didn't really love his pizza, but I like going in there and seeing him and the, that lady scream at each other. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was his wife or who it was, but it was kind yeah, of, that was a, that was a really the was, whole dynamic of that like, place it was, was really the, complicated. Yeah, the, it was like Punch and Judy theater of cruelty vibes in there, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I ate. I ate so much of that damn pizza. You know, so I lived on like the corner of Chicago and Maplewood, which oh, is okay, about yeah, yeah, couple for couple, for fourteen yeah. years, and yeah. that was um, above that Beetle oh, bar yeah. place. Right. And um, yeah, so that's like a five block stumble yeah. from yeah. the empty bottle. And I kind of, you know, I just sort of knew like I was working full time, and knew that if like live music wasn't easy, extremely convenient, I would convince myself like not to drive to other parts of the city on a work night you know to go see something right so what did uh what did you get a bfa in uh back in in carnegie and what did you go to grad school for uh i went to grad school for art also um and i was mostly doing like painting and drawing oh okay um, i didn't know that yeah, and I, I stopped painting, making paintings within a few years of graduating by like '97. Um, but at I UFC, just, you were still it? painting. Yeah, and and drawing quite a bit. And um, what were they like? What were they of? Uh, were they of something, or were they abstract? Sort of like unpleasant, large, figurative <laughs> paintings. <laughs> unpleasant. Oh, please tell me more. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm liking the sound of this already. <laughs> I mean, you know, like very, very direct, um, like sort of frontal drawings of kind of like hybrid that people, um, there was, God, I haven't like thought about this work in a million years. Um, not portraits, like not pictures of specific people, um, more about like some kind of idea about like how, how like this sort of engagement with the viewer um when i was an undergrad like i was i was a visiting volunteer it started as like something that i could do as an extension of a class but i was um i was spending a lot of time uh visiting i was a, a volunteer visiting artist for a year and a half at this maximum security prison in pittsburgh oh and um so i was making paintings that were like vaguely about the sort of they were kind of about like the dynamics of um that world um and i was really interested in people like like i was really interested in leon Golub's work and sure the way that he would make these composite 
people who were, you know, based on lots of different photo sources and creating situations that, you know, were plausible, but not, um, you know, direct copies of something observed. Or... So, so they were kind of like mugshots or. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I was looking yeah, some things had like that quality or like, um, I was looking at a lot of medical photography and the mm. way people are photographed in that. Um, oh, like morgue, like morgue photos or, or, uh, or just, or just like, or just, or just these sort of like head on kind of photos of, um, patients, you know, like, yeah. Because they have something wrong with their skin or mm, sure, whatever, yeah. um, but I mean I think yeah before college and during undergrad I published a, a mostly like un, like underground music zine, mm -hmm. and um, you know I was interviewing bands I was into and I was collaborating with other people and I would write stuff for other people's it, zines and was it mostly punk bands or metal bands or what were yeah you like hardcore yeah. speed metal yeah. um, and some political content and um, and I think like yeah within a couple of years of grad school I sort of realized how much I missed making like publishing yeah and um, and collaborating with other people and that the group temporary services that I've been part of for since 1998, like that started in 98, okay. um, yeah. was started by someone who graduated a year after me, uh, my collaborator, Brett Bloom, and there were more people involved for a while. So then, you know, like that was the beginning of working collaboratively in a group and just generally being involved in more collaborative ways of working. Um, because just, the, the commercial gallery world had no interest for me at all. And, um, Oh, it's a fucking, and... it's a wonderful world. I, I really recommend it. It's, it's <laughs> one of my favorite, the art world. I love it. Uh. <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's always like, it's like, I mean, with temporary services work, there's always sort of been like kind of one foot in one foot out. And yeah. right now we're in a place of, a lot more self-initiated things than yeah. things created in response to invitations. Yeah. Um, who is, uh, know, who is involved in temporary services these days? Uh, it's just Brett and I now. And he, li Brett. he lives in, yeah, he lives in Fort Wayne. Um, oh, okay. He's he, yeah. There's been, it's been a long period since we've both been in the same city. Yeah. Um, there were other members earlier, uh, Salem College and who, yeah, you my, might know from the reader. My current editor at, at the right. reader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just emailing yesterday about a thing. Yep. Yeah. So Salem was part of the group until 2014, mm -hmm. and um, and then uh, several other people um, were involved earlier on. So now it's more like we will often include people in projects or work with people on like a per project basis rather than trying to add more members yeah. um it's, it's definitely a different dynamic with two people rather than three yeah but um but yeah that's kind of like a nutshell of how i got here and uh when did so when did uh the painting and drawing just go away it was just because the publication stuff just took over and there was no more room for these drawings or paintings or what happened? i think yeah. it uh i mean part of it i guess I didn't like the idea of like that's how of that being how I would 
I guess I grew tired of like how that that idea of like being an artist, like that way of being an artist. So mm-hmm. that like um, what what's like the you didn't want to be a lonely genius in your garret. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it, right? Like, or, or, or a, lo- a lonely dumbass in my, uh, yeah. you know. No, I found it like like that very like, you know, that that sort of hermetic practice that yeah. that, that way of working requires. I think demands. Yeah. Felt it, yeah, it did. It didn't like it feels healthy to some people. I guess it, it felt unhealthy to me. Also, yeah. I think just like the the kind of people and the kind of spaces that you deal with. Yeah. As a painter, or like the, wor- the, idea the worst, of with... they're fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible world, and it's filled with horrible, selfish people. You know, it, I mean, like, like, and I'm one of them, so I don't want to see other ones. You know, like, I don't really need. Like, I, I have almost no friends who are painters. I, I know, like, I know, like, three painters. I think that I actually voluntarily interact with you know (laughs) i like musicians and writers and other kind of people that do other creative shit you know (laughs) yeah i keep um like at at columbia or or if i visit schools and do studio visits or something (laughs) i I keep i keep doing these studio visits with painters and Mm. um and it's like you know i mean i I like looking at painting i like uh like i'm not interested in doing that as my art but yeah um, like there are paintings that have been made that I'm interested in and, you know, I, I remember doing it, you know, yeah. like, and, um, but what's disturbing is when I feel like I know much more about painting than these, than students who have like chosen that this is going to be their medium. It's like, come on, like, I'm not, I don't even do this yeah, and I know this stuff. So like, you really have to know this stuff because like, you have to know who these people are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't and, even imagine and, what yeah kids these days their concept of progression or history of the history specifically of painting because with the internet everything comes from the same moment really you know what I mean it's flattened everything in this bizarre way right right which right. we're I mean we're all familiar with but it makes yeah the things that pe- young people make now very very strange and uh, because you don't yeah it's this grab bag of sources that seem not to have any relation to each other sometimes you know yeah i mean just i mean i go to the the libraries at you know the library at the school that i work in i mean it's just a mm-hmm. ghost town and I've, yep. i'm constantly trying to tell people like you will just get like such a more efficient and precise grasp of the of the trajectory of someone's creative work by like just pulling a monograph on their work off yeah. the shelf and um and but you know but the thing is like some of those people aren't on Instagram because they died in 1975 or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I know. So, 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 you know, it's, it's hard to learn about them, but, um, yet, you know, but, big, big deal. Blue chip galleries now ha- make million dollar sales on Instagram, you know, like that's where a lot of the trade has moved to. Right. It's really right. fucked up too. Things are bought off a shitty, you know, cell phone image, postcard postage stamp size image you know millions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars are exchanged but uh, you know the art world writ large is is just a, a a tax shell you know a way to hide tax from the tax man really for the most part i think mm-hmm. yeah i think like <laughs> i mean i think i also i kind of hit that point like i don't know if, if you it doesn't seem like from the way you work that this would be your experience but like my experience was that 
I would have like an idea or a sense of what I wanted to make. Uh-huh. And and then it would basically feel like, okay, well now I have to do this set amount of labor uh-huh. to finish it. Yeah. And to make it like come into existence. But yeah. like the the sort of enjoyable part of having the idea had already happened. Oh. No, and, no, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I've... there wasn't there wasn't like the search or yeah. or like all the editing and revision. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just felt like a. It started to feel like a task that takes longer than I want it to. It's like okay, well now I know what I want to do, and I have to spend the next three weeks. Yeah, doing that one thing, and that it'll be done, and then I'll have like, but I already have like the next five ideas, mm. and and you start losing the pleasure of like exploring them because they're like finished in your head. Yeah. Now, I, now I have that problem with publications. Instead. You do oh, okay. So, so it's just moved for it's like. Okay, I know what it would take to no, finish uh, scanning and designing yeah, yeah. this thing, and yeah. uh, but like, you know, it, like there's other things that are more fun to do. No, with with painting and more recently collage, which is the thing I've been doing the most the last couple of years. It's not I've never well I've never been an idea guy. I don't start with ideas, you know. <laughs> there <laughs> like it's that that what are, if there are any ideas in in those pictures they they come about from their making you know as as mm-hmm. it goes on so i don't know i have no image in my mind at all like, like of an end result ever uh if if i did i wouldn't even bother yeah, you know like why yeah, why would yeah. i need to do it yeah that, but but with with book with the other stuff like with books which you know i now make soup to nuts myself basically i have hit the, to this point where I know what what it will take to make it into a physical object, and it's a real question mark of whether I want to do it again, you know. Or I'm sort of inching back towards trying to, you know, trick somebody else into publishing it. <laughs> the next, uh-huh. and then the next one, so they more more really so if so they can deal with the distribution and promotion of it, which I don't have the stomach for really, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Lately, I've been more in that like in that distribution mode when like what I should be doing is making new stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, we just had uh, I just had two the first two in person days of selling stuff at events since February twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, at art fairs or something or were uh. Well, there was the first one was at um, so Printed Matter had a booth at Expo. Oh, okay. Which I've been to. I mean, since Expo started, like I never go to art fairs. I hate them. It's um, it's my year. That's uh, art, Chicago Art Expo is my Yom Kippur. I go there to 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 atone and stuff to to, to realize what I'm up against. <laughs> I, I can't I can't believe you would do that on an empty stomach. That's a... <laughs> oh no no I shovel junk food into my face before and after probably. Oh there's oh there's no fasting. Be... Okay. No well it's at it's at Navy Pier, you know, where there's yeah. like every kind of garbage food you can throw down your throat you know <laughs> i was really proud of myself i ate nothing while i was there i wow. brought like uh I, I brought a sandwich i brought like three uh peanut butter cliff bars or something and like no, i i was proud of myself because i i asked uh salem for to get me a press pass even though she had no room for me to write about it and she did so i, I saved 30 dollars this year 
So oh yeah, no one should no one should pay for this thing. Thirty I mean, fucking dollars they're up to. Those assholes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um But anyway, so the reason I was there was because um Printed Matter had a booth mm. and they kindly yeah. invited three Chicago publishers to oh, share nice. Nice. a little bit of the space for free for a day. So um I mean I would have done it like I I really love the people from that that organization yeah. and um hanging out with them for yeah. a day would be fun in yeah. and of itself. But um so I did that and um shockingly that's not really uh the greatest audience for the stuff I work on. But it but it was good. I mean it was good to like you know, I mean of course we sold a bunch of stuff and um yeah. it was good to remember what it feels like to stand all day and talk all day. Mm. It is I, I mean I think tons of people got COVID at that event is what I've heard. So oh, I mean, probably. I wore a mask. Probably. I wore a mask all day, you, you know, did. and um, it does feel strange. I feel like it's harder to, it's harder to sell stuff to strangers with like half of your face missing. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't taken that into account. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess there's like, there's like something going on down there that is useful for <laughs> human communication. Um, you mean your nose, your <laughs> nose and mouth being visible? Yes, <laughs> I, yeah. would, I would say it's pretty crucial, <laughs> right? So, um, um, to the sales job that you're trying to the, what you're tricking somebody into paying money for. <laughs> well, it's it's such, a, it's such a small amount of money with our stuff that that uh, I know, you know, yeah. But um, <laughs> and then but then and then the following week there was you know, very different event, which was like Madison print and resist, which is this oh. like zine slash comic self publishing, uh, event at the, that a group of people co-organize at Madison's central public library, which is mm. a beautiful building. Mm. I've and, never been um, there. yeah, it's a real, I mean, it's got like, it was built not that long ago. And, um, I mean, it just has phenomenal furniture. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's got like it's one of those new libraries where not all the books are also new. Like they have, yeah, they still have like a wall of you know copies of the yellow pages from the nineteen thirties. Oh, and nice! Like that sort of old stuff that I love. Yeah. That Harold Washington has equivalent kind of collections of. Yeah, that they haven't thrown away quite yet. Right. And, um, and special collections, and um, so it's a cool building. But then they also have like the sharp deposit boxes in every bathroom mm. like they're super sensitive to who is using the library and yeah. i went there when i was the last time i was there there was someone who had clearly like nodded out in yeah. a stall in the bathroom and i went and told yeah. the librarian and you know they seemed like this was not their first time dealing with this and, oh i'm sure yeah well and, and it was it, it wasn't like oh my god like call the police you know yeah. like they they had some kind of protocol like they probably have like narcan available you mm -hmm. know in those situations or something and are trained you know it had that kind of feeling but but it's great because like this they have the beautiful space for an event like this it's like easily available to get to because it's a library they have a million folding tables and chairs already yeah so you know in contrast to expo where people spend thousands of dollars i don't even know what it costs to have like the shittiest oh, 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 shit. at an event like that. Somebody told me, oh, I think Tim Kinsella told me, it was like, it's like 30 grand or something. It's some absurd amount of money. Like, it's a oh lot. Oh, my God. Wow. I don't know if it's 30 grand, but it's a lot. Yeah. It's thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? 
for yeah. couple, for like three days or whatever it is, four days. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we did. We did not. We would not have made back our uh, our first thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So Madison Print Resist. It's like at the end of the fair, they came around and asked everyone for a ten dollar vendor fee. Oh, that's and, sweet. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think and I think in five hours we sold like eighty percent of what we sold at Expo in in yeah. eight hours. Sure, you know, like because yeah, yeah. people were just like really hungry for it and, and really into it, and just like you know, I had great conversations with a ton of people I've never met before who, you know, yeah. and um, so yeah, it was it was cool to get back into that because I guess like. You know, the thing of with, like, shifting away from stuff like making paintings is that, you know, you're making 500 copies of something or 1,000 copies or 200 yeah. copies of something, and it gets to live in lots of different places. And, you know, the thing I miss with those events is just is how efficient they are at just kind of moving the work out into the world, yeah. you know, into lots of different hands. And... um yeah, I mean, just like that that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing that like publishing a zine was so, you know, was so cool with that, you know, that like there's like copies of it in Germany or yeah. in someone's prison cell or in someone's mom's attic. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because they moved out mm-hmm. of the house 30 years ago and like haven't thrown the thing away, but haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah, I think, I then... think one of your more haunting projects, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if you're doing this one anymore. Was that real estate photography thing? Oh, which, with which um, just, hardcore architecture. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the one where you went or like, no, not, no, not real estate, the estate sales. I'm sorry. The estate oh, right, sale one, right. Where you took these like woebegone pictures of this stuff, you know, that it's obviously remnants of dead people's belongings, you know, that are being sold off by their relatives. I mean, oh yeah, but I didn't. But I didn't take any of those photos. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you just. They, they yeah. were all. Yeah, yeah. They were all from. Um, they were all just like the images that stuck with me. On um, there's that website estatesales.net. Okay. Right. Right. So it's like it. They post. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, the thing that was interesting to me about those listings. So it's like yeah. they'll, you know, they'll post like um, an estate sale, and they'll have like maybe a hundred sample photos of yeah stuff that's going to be available and. You know, and then once the sale ends, like those photos disappear, yeah, completely. Like there's no, right. they're not archived. Um, so it's kind of like it's like this private, you know, this private, uh, these private possessions that have been made public momentarily, yeah, so that they can be dispersed, yeah. and that they like, and then they return to. Yeah, it's like you, know, you, you shine again. you shine a flashlight into like the dingy basement and you see some rat, some creature down there, you know, that hasn't seen light in years or whatever, you know. And or she, some it should, should probably never have been looked at again. More, more likely some <laughs> ET doll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're like yeah, there's something so like forlorn and sad about those pictures, you know. And they're obviously not taken by professional like photographers that know how to sell sell uh objects you know usually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah that was one of my favorite ones that was a it was a tumblr i think you had for a while yeah i haven't i haven't updated in a long time it's it's uh <laughs> i mean tumblr's like they've changed a bunch of things that like i think you know you need to have an account to look at anything 
that's beyond, the only like yeah. yeah beyond like the first 15 images or something like that. I haven't that. posted anything on Tumblr in like 10 years and I keep it just for like uh, several accounts including yours cuz I don't do I don't know where else like do you put them on Facebook? I don't do Facebook. So no. No, okay. I don't know which where else you put them but that's my my access. And then my friend Noah who does he has a thing called Chicago Screenshots, which is sporadically oh, updated, right, right. updated, and he'll. That's how I know he has something new up. Is he? He'll like it'll be simulcast or re reposted on Tumblr. You know. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. I remember. I remember Chicago Screenshots. I followed that. Um, I, mean, I guess I still do. I just. I just haven't. Yeah, he put it something up uh, a week or two ago, but like it's real. It's gotten really, really sporadic. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing with like estate sale photography with that Tumblr project was that like I, I wanted that continuous scroll because there are all these themes that um, repeat, like they repeat, they, they like return to them periodically, and it's done in like in a very intuitive way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would always think about the transition in the vertical scroll from one image to the yeah. next, and sure. and I would try to like, um, you know, think about like you know, how, what, yeah, which is like what comes next or what came previously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if you go through that, I think you can find probably, I think they're probably like 15 ET things for some reason, <laughs> or like, or like Michelangelo's David, there, there's like yeah. f- full body versions, busts, like, like David shows up about a dozen times, but not in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a whole bunch of like, these sort of themes of just like stuff I kept seeing in people's houses yeah, and, and these patterns, but you've got to like scroll through hundreds of examples to, to catch that stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you're one of the few people who acknowledges and cares about that blog. But, okay. But so uh, it, was, it was one of the less popular ones. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I think I really like it. Like, I, I yeah. mean, I think like, I mean, to me, like, I think it creates a really, what for me would be like a really satisfying experience of yeah. scrolling through a collection of images. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also I don't know how, if most people only experience it as individual images when yeah. I post them, then like that's that'd be very different than well like, i i the, maybe the continuous scroll maybe you need yeah you need to be a person that, that's been to estate sales or has thought about what they are you know like <laughs> the, the, well yeah i think, I think people yeah people who go to those things yeah. i think have a, have a a different sense of it definitely yeah um I did that for a while. I haven't done that have yeah. you done that recently i haven't done not that not recently well not uh actually but uh well, let's see, a month or two ago, me and my my old friend Frank, he invited me to go to this this older artist died and her her nephew was disposing of all her belongings, getting ready to sell her condo up north. I forget where that was. So uh, he invited us to go and basically raid her art studio and she had all these unused art materials and it was kind of amazing. Just she had obviously been planning to do art for the next 300 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess she was an optimist, but, <laughs> but like, going... I'm sure you have like, I'm sure you have a horde of ballpoint pens and, uh, well, now I have a bunch <laughs> of shit from her. Ha- like I've got, right. 
you know, uh, amazing, you know, like printmaking or like high end, like Arches paper, uh, which is uh -huh. you know, five, 10 bucks a pop, you know, and I have a whole stack of it, you know, and a bunch cool. of, a bunch of old stuff. Yeah. That I enjoy. I got a, um, uh, de Kooning, uh, jigsaw puzzle from her closet. And then, <laughs> and then one day decided to try to make it. And it took like two weeks for me to fucking put it together. And it, took so long i hadn't done one since i was a kid probably I know Wait, which painting is it is it like excavation or something it's uh gotham news uh oh okay yeah and uh you know it took so fucking long that i did the thing that people you know traditionally do like i glued it to a piece of cardboard and it's hanging in my kitchen now because that that you know like it took so fucking long uh, I mean, Ab Abex paintings are great for jigsaw puzzles because, like, it's really hard. Like, you have nothing to hang on to except just shapes and, you know, marks. Like, it's really hard. <laughs> how, how many, do you remember how many pieces it was? Is it like 500 or something? Something like that, yeah. Three or 500. It was a lot. My mother-in-law is super into puzzles, so uh, um, we try to, like, get her ones that are, like, 500, not 1,000. Oh, oh okay. Like a thousand, I guess, is like really pushes the edge of uh, okay. What like people's uh, tenacity for? I know it's it became a really big uh, fad during lockdown for people. You know, people got into it was a time waster, time or time spender. But uh, the, the the hideout made one of the painting I made for them, and I guess that did real well. Uh, I did a painting of the hideout, and they made a puzzle of it. They, yeah, the hideout was super active during lockdown with all kinds of virtual shit. And, and I've been kind of unsettled merch. to see. Uh, yeah. There've been like, I think like I, there's like a Subhumans album cover puzzle. I think like <laughs> Napalm Death's album Scum has been turned into a puzzle. Right. The cover was, art for that, like, uh, that, that's where's, just, is, like is there a Frankenchrist uh, jigsaw puzzle or like of the, 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 the Giger poster? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the 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 band the band poster. Like, that's what I mean. I would have I, I would have been super into that in yeah. 1986. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> but um, that that was like a. I'm, I'm actually I'm like one of the, I think I'm one of the few people who thinks that's like just an amazing album and and likes it more than. I don't know. Um, my sister had it on cassette, and then I bought it, mm. and like I had no idea like how she thought she would like that because it's really not her thing. And I just like took it from her, and then I <laughs> and then I bought the record um, right after they stopped. They started removing the poster, and you had to write away for it. Oh, okay. so so I so I lied and said I was uh, twenty one or whatever. How old were you? At, uh, <laughs> Sixteen or seventeen? Okay. Yeah. And and, they, and sent myself a dress stamped envelope and nice alternative tentacles sent it. Yeah. But um. Yeah, sort. I mean, it seems like so much of you know what you've been doing these past decades is so rooted in that. That's that's that catalog scene of like where you have to send away for stuff. Seems like aesthetically, it's very tied to it, right? Uh. Well, except now I'm like the person sending the things. Away. I know, I know. You're on the other end. Yeah. You're you're on the other right. end of the PO box. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but I mean that's like what I did. It I mean in high school and college, like I, you know, when I did a zine, I mean I, I printed maybe I did like seven issues and I mm -hmm. printed about two hundred two hundred twenty five copies of each one. But what I was, was corresponding. It? Yeah. What was it called? I was corresponding. Uh, primary concern. Ah. 
um, public collectors like is my you know like yeah. if anyone has cared for that long they would notice like the initials are the same but, oh um, wow <laughs> I think that I, I think I realized that afterward but uh yeah. and anyway um but yeah I mean like you know before the internet uh, like you know yeah postal correspondence with people you know took up an enormous amount of time mm-hmm. and you know probably like it's probably sending out like 30 letters or zines out a week and you know and trading yeah. with all of these other publishers and now it's like you know you have these book fairs and do you yeah. do the same they do the same thing like it's like oh what's your newest thing here's my newest yeah. thing like we should trade and you know and then you end up with instead of like a library of zines with different interviews with like dark angel and mm. slayer it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh it's like you know people's artist books that you've like traded your artist books you know and publications for um, sure uh did you uh did you get a chance to see the ray johnson show when it was at the art institute yeah i kind of wanted to i was thinking about going back and seeing it again because it, it put me in sort of a bad mood oh really and yeah. How and, come? Um, oh, I want to hear about this. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, this is like I th- my opinions about it have like nothing to do with the curation of it mm-hmm. or like the display yeah. of it because I thought that, I mean, for instance, that department's kind of probably my favorite department at the Art Institute, mm. and um, and I feel like they they generally do yeah. a super thoughtful job with everything. I think just like what I, I mean, I. For someone who's like involved in mailing stuff and yeah. making things like using inexpensive materials, I, I've never, I haven't spent as long with his work as I guess I feel like I sh- am expected to or something. Uh-huh. Um, and so I mean, the, the things I liked in that show were that it looked like the whole exhibit consisted of material that cost maybe like 200 bucks, you know, to, right. uh, yeah. like, like, like there was, there, there was like nothing made in an extravagant or expensive way it felt extremely democratic yeah in that way um like even like the color palette and range Mm -hmm. of materials was so limited that it was sort of like okay here's like another thing you could do with cardboard and a pen you know Mm -hmm. or something like that the thing that the thing that bugged me Mm -hmm. was um it's just like these sort of like games and stuff that he's playing Mm-hmm. It just it, it started to feel like in the accumulation of all of the work like every serious possible thing you could make art about mm-hmm. in the world that was happening at the time that he was doing all of this mm-hmm. was just completely excluded from ah. consideration um like it, it felt like sort of psychically and you know i mean i don't you know Ray Johnson committed suicide and maybe yeah. there was a lot going on that uh, like was not included in the work and maybe things, I have no idea what, what compelled him to do that, but, yeah. but it's just like, you know, there's all this shit happening while he's making that work. There's like the civil rights movement and the yeah. Vietnam war and all this, you know, there's like interesting, like queer politics stuff that yeah. quietly sort of emerges, but so much of it was just sort of like, I have my like, my sort of little community and scene of other artists I play games with through the mail and to the exclusion of so many other 
mm. things happening. It, it just looked like it looked like it just made me feel like this person was avoiding. Ah, interesting. A, 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 a lot. I don't. I don't know. I I I I was uh, very interested in that show. I mean, partly because he's doing collage, and it was like a thing that I'd gotten into more recently. But also, the the, the thing that made me think of it is we we're talking about. You know, mailing things, and apparently, like at the height of his activity, he was he was mailing like hundreds of things a day, and I was just right. like trying to imagine how much the fucking postage would have cost him to do what he was doing. You know, yeah, the, the one, materials one were cheap. One fiftieth of uh, what it costs now. Well, yeah, but 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 inflation and everything, like you know, it's it's right, a sizable. Right, right. It's it's not a it's not a negligible amount of money. You know that it would have taken right. for him to continue doing what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and also, I mean, the the big central contradiction of that show is that his whole thing was to make things that were not uh, static and were not really like wall art, uh, and he wanted he just kept would keep changing things, you know, and the the mailing was the was the art part of it. He wasn't interested in being in museums, but here is this giant art show in a museum. Because that's all we know how to do to preserve this stuff, you know, over time. Yeah, a friend of mine, I haven't, <laughs> I, I was also kind of like struck by the the $60 catalog. I'm like, oh my God, this catalog is yeah. like more expensive than, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but a friend of mine, you know, who, who understands that work better, I, I mm-hmm. guess the catalog doesn't really address mail art yeah. at all. And, you know, I mean, I guess the way that I always thought about him was that he was one participant in this large community of mail art people. Yeah. And so then, like, what does it mean to isolate, you know? It's like he gets to be the one famous mail art person in a museum context while, yeah, like, all of these other people who are part of the daily kind of you know, ecosystem. I don't know. I I mean, um, I read, you know, that entire catalog and a bunch of other things about him because, because I I wrote up the show for the reader, but uh, it seems that he really was, you know, he was the instigator for all this and he brought all these people into this world. Uh, But yeah, you know, he was the thing that, that it all revolved around, you know, (laughs) at least like what, what we saw in that show and so much, these boxes and boxes of, materials that his correspondent saved you know mm-hmm. but his yeah his relationship to the you know the art world writ large was kind of fraught and and uh he, right. was, he was sort of like you know a shit starter and he was always joke you know kind of like taking the piss out of it you know what i mean but didn't he like also kind of desperately want in i'm sure in- I'm, I'm sure it was a i'm sure it was a uh, constantly being renegotiated as it is with, with most artists, you know, uh, art, art and commerce is always kind of at war one way or the other, you know? Yeah. Cause part of, <laughs> cause I kind of get the sense that, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've also always sort of had the sense that he, it's like, he's playing games with that world, but, but he does like, he does, he also doesn't want to be left out. Yeah. Um, well, and, well, I, I mean, don't know. I th- n- nobody wants to be left out, but they, you know, I think most artists want to be taken seriously on their own terms, on terms that they can live with. And 
what that what those terms are will vary according to personality or you know biography or whatever else mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah i mean I they guess... all knew all the big people knew him you know like andy warhol and all these other the famous artists all right. those people knew who ray johnson was but he was sort of remained kind of a mystery in a way you know in in a way that he cultivated <laughs> you know like it was uh -huh. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a naive artist or anything, you know, he wasn't, this is not like a Henry Darger type situation, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious, I guess like I'd be curious to know more, maybe the catalog addresses this about his relationship with the person that he was mailing all that stuff mm. in the show to. Yeah. There's a lot um, about that. Yeah. The guy that, yeah. uh, you know, gave, gave all this stuff to the art Institute, you know, Cause, gi cause giant collection. Like, yeah, because I mean, for in terms like with my relationships with a couple people, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm that guy, right? So oh, they, who has you, you who has been yeah. sent all who has been sent all this stuff, right? That you know, um, except that like there's not as much of a market for it, or like you know, it's like other people did the work to create a market for mm -hmm. Ray Johnson's work. Yeah, you know, during his lifetime, posthumously. Yeah, but that like, what do you do when you have all this work by another artist? Yeah, and and you're not interested in the market aspect. Of, you're like, I'm interested in the preservation aspect of it. Right. So you want to give it to some sort of institution where it will be taken care of, right? Like in in this case, you know, the Ray Johnson case, it's the Art Institute. Weirdly enough, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then it's sort of it's like how. And then it also kind of comes down to like, you know, is there like a long-term interest in the work or is it, or does it get there because there was one curator who was yeah particularly passionate um, and negotiated that, you know, in their lifetime, but no one else is going to give a shit in the same way. But that's, yeah, that's a question we, we, we can't answer for, you know, whatever X amount of years. It's kind of like that Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, you know, where they just throw the thing into this warehouse in the end, you know, to right. be, for, to be right. forgotten. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this thing that everybody thought was so mm -hmm. fucking important for a bunch of reasons is, is forgotten. But so is, you know, like Rembrandt was forgotten for a couple of hundred years. So right. who the fuck knows? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I have lots, lots of contradictory feelings about museums and their roles in the work of artists, but <laughs> some, some days it's, I think it's, it's the worst thing. It's, you know, it's where art goes to die. Right. But right, right. on the other hand, how, how the fuck else, unless you're a billionaire, how else will you ever see any of this stuff? You know? Yeah. Most of, most <laughs> of my work goes to die in the library. Yeah. <laughs> at the museum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is like, which is an even more obscure death than, uh, at least someone can ask to see it. Yeah, you I like, you, uh, can't, you, you can't ask to see, uh, you can't ask them to go down to the storage warehouse and pull mm -hmm. out. I know, you know, which is really shitty. I, I don't like that at all, that like these institutions, like the Art Institute, the vast majority of their holdings will never be seen by anybody but specialists, you know, or special people I, that are get a bunch of different permissions that are and they're connected to other institutions or else there's no entry you know there's many right. barriers to entry 
I was trying to do the math. Uh, I was there last last week, and um, I popped in, and mm-hmm. uh, I was trying to do the math on how many years are left for um, all of that work that was donated by uh, the Neesons in the Contemporary Wing. Oh, the in their insist on it being like shown together, like in yeah, yeah. for it's it's, it's all going to be shown together for a certain number of years, and then yeah. it's all got to be, but it's all going to be in on view in general mm-hmm. for the total was fifty years. Yeah. So I so I think like, I think that shit has like another forty three years. Yeah. <laughs> I like will be on, on view. My my favorite thing to do in the last couple of years uh, when I go there with other people is to point out that shit ass giant Basquiat painting that that. That you know the richest man in Illinois plopped there because he could, right. because right. It, it's basically because the museum is an extension of his fucking living room, and right. that, that ugly giant painting which is he paid like whatever sixty million dollars for. I think it was even like a hundred million. It was hundreds. It was either six hundred million or sixty million. I it, it's an astronomical amount for a not very good, but gigantic painting. Right. But if if you want to see what. Like that always uh, points up. Like it's it's the equivalent of me buying buying a fucking poster and putting it above my couch. But if you're a billionaire, you know the the, the place above your couch happens to be a world class museum in a in a major city mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can, and that's all it is. And so much of the stuff that's on display there is for those kinds of reasons, not for any kind of merit or historical interest. It's just because a guy has that that kind of pull, you know, and that kind of influence. <laughs> yeah, I guess I mean the the that Neeson donation is just so uh enraging to me mm-hmm. because it of course like it it you know, it's a ton of gallery real estate occupied by um you know, I mean it's quite I don't I forget how many works it is, but it's 50, a lot. Maybe. Uh yeah, I don't remember I mean, where it's a bunch of rooms. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know which which part are just exclusively theirs but uh yeah there's uh you know <laughs> they'll never ask me but if they ever ask me to rehang the, those those rooms I, I i have some ideas about it <laughs> how i would rehang them you know <laughs> and and what i would leave out well what i would sell to whatever <clears throat> sucker wants to wants to buy it you know <laughs> some of that shit <laughs> but yeah, you can. I think. I mean, the Art Institute's gotten a lot better with. Um, they've digitized enough of their collection that you can see a ton of things on their website. That yeah, their like website's not, not bad for for a museum website. Yeah, it's it's not bad. And look, but, but you can really like do that fantasy rehanging. Yeah. Quite quite thoroughly by seeing all of the stuff that's you know that's in storage. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some. I mean, there are just. A bunch of artists they have a ton of work by that is never on view. Yeah, I always feel like that um, that Leon Golub mercenary painting they own should just be like if anything should be permanently on view. Mm. <laughs> it should be this painting that shows like you know this sort of variation of like people torturing other people that the U.S. has <laughs> you know has funded throughout the world. I mean that painting's like never not relevant. Sure. Like there's always there's always someone strapped to a chair getting tortured because yeah and... of something covert that we're up to, and uh, you know and I mean in in the kind of uh, 
places that um, the the man whose name I don't want to mention who owns that Basquiat painting, like you know, yeah. his investments, yeah, uh, have included those private prisons, and um, you know, that's that's like where some of his money comes from. Sure. I mean, probably like a, a fraction of a percent because it's you know his investments are scattered among so many other <laughs> shitty uh, industries, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, and yet, yeah. I mean, you know, my uh, connection with that museum, you know, goes back so long now. At this point, you know, over thirty years, and you know, I, yeah, I, I, I'd be sad not to have a chance to go there anymore, uh, despite all the problems, some of which you know you've mentioned, with that institution and all of the ones like it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was my first. That was my first job after grad school. I, oh, you I weren't there. The, yeah, I mean, I, I've told students. I'm like, at some point in your life, you're going to take money from the art institute. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, like you'll you'll either like teach there, you'll work yeah. in like the bookstore, you'll yeah. work in visitor services, you'll give a guest lecture at someone's class. Yeah, like like somehow like they will pay you for something. Yeah, probably not well, but you know. But uh, and, yeah, I worked in I worked in the bookstore for about a year, and mm. then for I think it was like four years, I worked in visitor services, yeah. like, and uh, I mean, I met like lots of great artists and musicians and theater people. At the time I worked there, they hired a lot of people who were um, who were like way overeducated. Sure. For 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 those service jobs, like there are lots of people with master's degrees and. Um, you know, and I mean, some of them, like, we would go to concerts mm -hmm. after work or, you know, like, we would talk about art all day long. I would use the library on my lunch break. It was awesome walking around the museum in the morning before it opened when there was no one in those galleries. And you could just, like... Right. You know, where I'd, like, step away from the coat check room or something and go look at art. I remember, yeah, <clears> when, when I was going to school there, I, I always want wish there was like a time when students could just go in there and hang out off hours and like smoke and like <laughs> and just, just just wander around with without without any of the tourists but that and the gift shop you know also when i was in school i had a, a great scam going where i would switch price tags on expensive art books and buy them for like ten dollars or five dollars <laughs> and the the people ringing up they weren't using barcodes and they did obviously didn't give a shit I got a lot of nice art books from that place that, uh -huh. with, with that scam, like when not outright swiping them, you know, which I also did. But I got some great books from the library's yeah. dumpster oh. once. <laughs> um, and I'd be like, I'd be horrified to know what they gave away to people in the know. Sure. That would have been thrown away. Other, I mean, well, at least it was saved. But yeah, because there were like, I mean, I got, I grabbed like one of John Baldessari's artist books out of oh, the yeah. garbage, huh. like stuff that just I don't really should not have been. I mean, if anything, they could have sold it, you know, quietly, yeah. and um, bought other books with that. But I mean, the libraries typically don't do that, <laughs> or or they or they or they do it like by the pound, you know, to. Sure. Better World Books or something in Indiana, but um, yeah, yeah. There was a guy. I remember. I tried to. I tried to trap a guy in the in the revolving doors. There was this guy who would make these like two foot stacks of art books mm -hmm. and, and just like make a run for it 
Oh, really? The front door. Oh, yeah. wow. That, that's awesome. And then like a week later, they would all be for sale at Myopic. Um, sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think once I tried to like, I, I once I saw him mm-hmm. dash for the revolving door and I, I like tried to grab it. But um, That's funny because, yeah, I mean, uh, Joe, who started Myopic, has recently opened Tangible Books in Bridgeport. Right. I've actually, yeah, I've talked to him a bunch about that, like those early days when him realizing that and occasionally like refusing uh, stolen books, you know, especially like the art books. He caught on after a while, you know, that there's no way those these people should have been selling him stuff, you know. Right, right. But it's, it's like, yeah, it's a tough call, but. <laughs> uh... <laughs> the, the best thing I ever did on the clock at that job was. Um... I think for like over an hour, I went into Prince when I was supposed to be like refilling brochure stands or something. Yeah. I um, I slipped into Prince and Drawings, and uh, that curator Jay, I forget her last name, um, let me look at uh, one of James Enser's sketchbooks. Oh, nice, yeah. And, and it was um, it was a sketchbook of like like he had made little colored pencil drawing. It was kind of like mm-hmm. a catalog yeah. raisonné of yeah. of all of his paintings. Mm-hmm made as little like colored pencil sketches. Oh cool. I don't yeah. know. I don't so know if I've seen was, that. I'll have to go and look at that. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. It's um and they had rebound it so there's like glassine yeah. paper in between each page. Oh so that's that, nice. So that like the colored pencil's not rubbing onto the back of the other page. But she mm-hmm. she like sat next to me holding a bone like you couldn't touch it. Yeah. So it was like she like turned the pages carefully with a bone folder. And you were getting paid and, for it. You were getting paid right. your hourly. That's great. <laughs> and then I think after a half hour I was allowed to like turn the pages with the bone folder myself. Mm. You know, which felt very special. I was super lucky because because um, my uh, lithography teacher at school was Mark Pascal, who was he's who's a curator there. Yeah, and I know he, Mark. He, yeah, he would pull like, you know, all these boxes and boxes of Rembrandt etchings for me, and like all this other stuff, you know, <laughs> to look through. Did, did you ever encounter there was that guy? I think his name was Sam. He was really old. Older guy, yeah. In the in the nineties, like this is like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went I went to school ninety to ninety three. That. So, yeah, he yeah. was like he was very dapper mm-hmm. and. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I vaguely remember him. Yeah, he was Mark's boss, I think. Or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember he was showing us they had gotten. He was showing us this monk. Mm-hmm. Print and it was like that Madonna. Yeah. surrounded by all of the sperm. Oh yeah, stuff. sure, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. And uh and someone brought I guess someone brought an example in to have it authenticated or looked mm. at or something. And um and I remember Sam was making fun of it because uh I guess whoever owned it cut away the border that had the sperm. Oh yeah. And he's like <laughs> it's like and I just remember this like little dapper guy saying yeah. like it it doesn't even have the sperm. <laughs> <laughs> And showing us like on our on their print like yeah. how it should be. I I and, brought uh, it. Yeah, I I found a I bought a a Rembrandt uh, etching from from the thrift store, and I just brought it in because I wanted them to tell me when it was made. You know. Uh-huh. And it was you know I it was made about when I thought it was somewhere in the middle of the twentieth century. It was an actual etching for sure. I knew that you know, but you know it was made the same way people make like posters later you know right it was made for the tourist trade by a printer somewhere in in holland i think 
or in somewhere in, in Europe. But uh, it was it was fun to bring something there and have it authenticated. You know, mm -hmm. it was because I had a Rembrandt that cost you know three dollars. <laughs> And were they, did they, did they like let you down very easy that it was? <laughs> oh no. I mean, I, I just wanted to know when, like if they could find out when it was made, you know, and by whom and they, oh, okay. yeah, they tracked that, you know, they tracked down some, you know, some guy who ran a, uh, you know, a tourist shop somewhere in the middle of the 20th century selling prints to tourists, you know, who went to the Rembrandt museum or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of days like where, um, Every now and then, uh, someone who ran the switchboard, you know, called in sick, and they would ask one of us in visitor services if we could do that. Oh, really? You know, if we if we could help out, and there would so I, I got to do that a few times, and um, there would always be these calls from people who found art, you know, yeah, in their attic and wanted to have the museum authenticated. And like yeah. museum just doesn't do that; they always yeah. recommend people to the. American Society of Appraisers or whatever, but yeah. occasionally, like I would ask the person more questions, and yeah. so when the person's like, "Yeah, I found this, I found this Picasso in our attic," and you know, we're sure, trying yeah. to find out what it's worth, and I'm like, "Oh, really? Like, what, what, you know, what, yeah. what is it? Like, what does it look like?" And mm -hmm. and they're describing it. Then they said, like, you know, I called the museum because at the very bottom, you know, it's on canvas, but at the very bottom it says the Art Institute of Chicago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Printed on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, this is like you know when the gift shop used to print stuff on yeah. canvas board or something. Sure. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I can tell you right now, <laughs> like over the phone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like not to worry about it too much, but uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it helped that I knew people in that department, but also I knew, you know, I know enough about printmaking because I I popped it out of the frame and I I knew that it was a an actual etching. You know, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't a mechanically reproduced print, you know. It was, uh -huh, it, was uh -huh. an, it was definitely an etching that somebody had copied, you know, like had made an you know a new plate for. Mm -hmm. Like no, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that it was a period, you know, it was from Rembrandt's lifetime or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was fun. It was a, it was a fun thing. For sure. <laughs> yeah, actually, gave I gave it to. Uh, Tim Kinsella as a wedding present when he got remarried a few years ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's my, my $3 Rembrandt. Yeah. Well, a lot of work went into acquiring it. Oh, sure. It's, yeah. it's the adventure of getting the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you think you'll start up, you'll ever do that courtroom residency thing again that, that I was part of once? I don't know. I mean, that is that a thing. Yeah. So, do? so you know, so that was a project that was killed by by COVID, right? Right. You know, of course, so yeah. for for people listening to this who don't know what this was, I would go attend uh, criminal court with artists one at a time, and we would usually observe court for a few hours, and then afterward, eat lunch at Taqueria El Milagro down the street and record a yeah. conversation, and then um, I made a publication every four conversations so there yeah. were four booklets all together 16 yeah. residencies and yeah so i mean i basically like yeah right when covid started like pretty much i think it was like march 13th yeah. i was supposed to go to court with someone that day yeah. and they canceled at the last minute yeah and um and then you know like by the end of the day, everyone kind of knew, like, okay, we got to, like, 
hunker down and figure out what the hell's going on. Um, and, and, and obviously with like Cook County jail being a super spreader site of COVID, like going to court anytime ever, if you don't have to be there, uh, felt unwise, Yeah, you know, between like people who are locked up there and like the staff also, right. Who are moving back and forth between, uh, that built, you know, that building and the court. Um, and then also, I mean, like eating in restaurants and so the, every part of it feels, has felt like a bad idea Mm -hmm. ever since. Um, I'm still not really doing indoor dining very much. Right. If at all. And, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, like, certainly there's, like, a ton more to learn from and observe. But that, that was, that was a, that was a hard thing. I mean, even when it was boring, it, it, like, there were things that were kind of haunting and, um, that I would, like, continue that I'm still, that are still unresolved for me. Just, like, little things you would see that you, like don't know the answer to and don't know what happened Mm -hmm. to those people or those situations. Um, I mean, I'm extremely glad that I did it, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess it, it sort of felt like it had to be at a natural end when I had to stop it. Um, I think it was, it was also just sort of good to kind of convey to people that like, this is a thing you can do. Like a lot of people had no idea that you can just walk into that building and sit somewhere and like watch what happens. Right. Um, and uh, so I think like, it's like a lot, a lot of things I've worked on um, and this would be one of them. I feel like, you know, they create a model that does not have to be, I don't have to be the person doing the work. It's like, like it's a copyable, it's a project anyone could emulate in their yeah. own. It, that right. seems to be like a through line through so much of your work where like yeah. we're talk- and in contrast to the the lonely genius artist in the garret, you're trying to do this thing where you can build a, a structure that anybody could make, could take off, launch their own thing out of in a way. Yeah. I mean, a lot of temporary services projects have been, have been like that. And, um, so that's why like, yeah, like in that Ray Johnson, so I'm sort of like, well, what about all the other people who did mm-hmm. mail art? You know, like where, yeah. where, like where, where are they? And, you know, and the thing is too, like those, that history, like that's a really messy, complicated sure. story to try to tell. Yeah. And, um, so instead it's sort of like, you get like the very narrow, yeah. like I'm always interested in the messy thing. I'm not, I'm not interested sure, in like course. the neat, easy story. Um, but what, well, yeah, I'm now remembering one of the major like bones of contention between Johnson and that collector guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, the one that gave whose collection this is, is that the collector guy kept wanting him to sign off on like these finished, like framed pieces of art, but Johnson never wanted things framed or like displayed that way. Uh-huh. Because to him, like it just kept would keep evolving and evolving. That was that was his interest. That was his art. You know, it wasn't to mm-hmm. nail it to a, a museum wall. Uh, but yeah, we don't. At least in that in that realm, in that kind of world, uh, in the big museum world or big art world, we don't know how else to do it, except to pin it to a wall and put put the guy's name on top or the woman's name, you know, over it and say it's this is their work. 
Yeah, I was really interested in, um, of course, I was really interested in the thing that you can't look at, which is uh, that wall of um, binders behind glass. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, him saving, what, I guess, all of their his correspondence or other yeah. material or something. And um, I felt like that was the kind of thing that maybe in the future I would try to bug uh, Mark Pascal yeah. and see if I could look at. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and, and, and but yeah, it's like the the interactive experience of going through that is something that's you know really difficult to replicate in a museum situation. Um, yeah, uh, I mean it's the is the problem of you know I guess what art is or what what it could be because it's I mean to me it's always some sort of communication, but if you put it out of reach of people. Then, then only certain kinds of people can interact with it, and that's a fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sort of like startled to discover um, I was going through that uh, architecture design wing they have, and um, my public collector's book that I made with Inventory Press in 2014 is designed by Project Projects. And um, there's a whole vitrine of publications they've designed mm. on display now. So yeah. my book is behind glass. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I was I jokingly posted on Facebook a picture and said, like, you know, oops, my work's in a museum. <laughs> you know, if you want to if you want to read this, yeah. uh, like you could buy a copy for about the same cost as general admission for an adult. Yeah. You know, despite and, despite and, your best I, efforts, you've ended up in the museum after all. <laughs> yeah, like on you know, with like a book you can't look at. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's odd. Like, yeah, normally it's never the gallery; it's it's the uh, the library. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I mean, although there there's a big part of me that remains the like. Some version of the you know the lonely artist in the garret, you know, uh, because my main the main thing that I make are uh, you know one of a kind discrete pieces of art, you know, that are not I I don't think are actually reproducible. Uh, I mean I'm I'm very suspicious of photography in that way, but I don't. On the other hand, I have no interest in making a thing that somebody couldn't, you know, own. Uh, without like some absurd pile of money you know what i mean well you've you've done i mean you've but you've also like used all of these other uh, you know i mean you you have like you scan your drawings and shoot yes. your you know you have a newsletter so yeah. people get this weekly digital version of your practice and I, then yeah i have i have, a, I have you, an, an art website that has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of images on it you know but that but also very, like all of yeah but also like you know there's like stuff you've drawn that shows up in like record inner sleeves yeah right like there's like that those taliazetic yeah. drawings or or that like get printed in the reader or in some other publication yeah. so i feel like you know i mean i like that like approach of just making so much so often that if yeah. people want it it's not that difficult to acquire it but also the work just kind of lives in yeah. lots and lots of different places um 
No, no. I mean, but yeah, many, many people could and do own own my stuff. That's not re, re you know, even the not reproduced stuff <laughs> because uh -huh. it's not very expensive. And if anything, it's gotten cheaper. Be partly, partly because I don't, you know, I don't have any kind of gallery representation and never have. Uh, and partly because of, of my utter disgust with the with the art world and what they do with the the pricing of artwork, you know which is it's clearly meant as a, a way to not for very, very rich people not to pay taxes, you know, people that don't buy stuff sight unseen, you know, and trade it from one, one to the other. It's, 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 it's so fucking utterly gross that I want as little to do with that as possible. So you, yeah, you can buy anything from me for, you know, 200 bucks or less, basically we'll buy it will will buy you like anything I've ever made at this point. You know, that's that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> but it's also I mean you get like you know, but you get the I mean it's also like how you want to be in the world, right? I mean that yes. you like you get to have these direct interactions with people who value your work. Yeah. And like you're perfectly capable of managing those relationships without having someone be like a liaison between you and I guess, you know. yeah. Uh, well, I've just never found a person like that that I actually can fucking trust to do this, you know, <laughs> and to to earn their fifty percent that they, you know, the, that they all make or more. These 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 intermediaries or, you know, or parasites on depending on the day you ask me. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, I think like like when I was like when I was painting, I mean, I guess like I kept thinking about. It's like, okay, so if you, like, achieve the thing that a lot of people want, which is to be represented by one gallery, yeah. assuming that you find someone who, you know, who you really like, and yeah. you like the idea of them telling the story of your work, like, you know, I just go to those places, and yeah. it's just, it's like the audience is so narrow for those those venues and, and i guess like working at the art i mean the thing that was interesting about working at the art institute mm -hmm. was seeing the range of people who go to see art at at like the most it's like if you're going to pay to see art in one place in chicago yeah you know you'd maybe go to the mca or you would go to the art institute like you know and oh, I, I would only go to the art institute i don't like that other place but <laughs> for a lot yeah, of reasons I mean, sure. but <laughs> But but just like you know, even even seeing like the yeah. full the full audience of the Art Institute, like yeah. how narrow that was compared to the diversity of Chicago and oh sure, um, you know, so it's like like if you have your work in Quimby's and the Cultural Center, yeah, like just those two places alone would be, um, or you know, if you add like a third or a fourth, if you add like say like Pilsen Community Books, mm -hmm. and then some other place, like the diversity of that is just like kind of incredible compared to any one commercial gallery. Yeah. Which for some people would be like a great experience to have their solo show in that same place every year and a half, you know, for 20 years Yeah, straight. Um, but to me, like that being a destination for the work, no matter how much, even if I like the person yeah. who runs it and trust them and have a good relationship with them, like it just that just felt very inadequate as as a sure. way of you know um, 
as a primary, I guess, experience of, of the work. And yeah. so I'd rather, I would like temporary services was doing a lot of stuff in public without permission mm-hmm. or, or, or like, you know, weirder longer term things like adding books to Harold Washington library without telling them, you know? Right. And yeah, you had those, well, more recently, those great bookmarks that the, that one librarian guy hated, uh, yeah. Oh right! Oh yeah, yeah. Inviting people like to yeah. argue for why things shouldn't yeah, be yeah. needed. Yeah, shouldn't yeah, be yeah. shouldn't be deaccessioned or whatever they call it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I forget what we were talking. I think about. I still have. Um, a, I think I still have a bunch because I bought a bunch of those bookmarks, and I think I think I still have a. Yeah, I haven't been using those as much as I, I should be. Um, <laughs> I want to. I just want. I just want to put them in every um, weird periodical that the that Harold Washington. Still has on their shelves because they have just so many amazing. My, my big obsession with that library for yeah. a little while has been yeah. like all the business periodicals on the oh, fourth really? floor. Mm. Um, I was looking at. Uh, I don't know why it's in business periodicals, but at least they have it. They have all these um, newspaper format things that Earth First published, mm. um, and uh, and some of those are amazing. I mean, like just. Yeah. All of these uh, drawings, like threatening to murder uh, developers, and, like wow. tim- timber companies. Like there, there's some really incredibly aggressive, yeah, shit in there. Uh, there was one. It was like there was this one drawing. It was um, it seemed a little racially tone deaf, but yeah. um, it was like trees are for hanging and it had this like logger person i guess like hanging mm. from a noose on a oh, tree wow. and uh yeah. or something like, i think it like it's like trees are <laughs> i forget what the i forget what the slogan was it, it was brutal i mean <laughs> trees are for lynching <laughs> is, is that where you go with yeah, that or... i mean oh. <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah this is like really the <laughs> the wrong way to, <laughs> yeah. to configure yeah wow <laughs> but um but you know, but like, like that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, not for, probably not very many people are looking at that journal every <laughs> every every day, like on their way to the Harry Potter books or whatever. And uh, so I always worry about stuff like that getting getting deaccessioned because I remember you know. that I remember that place opening because that that happened when I was in art school. Uh, and, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember the cultural center still being a library because they were still moving stuff over. Right, right. Yeah, that was really that interesting. That was before my time, but yeah. Very interesting, and I still feel like the inside of that those gray walls just look like primer to me, and they're like they're waiting to be painted the correct color. <laughs> like, it's it's strange. It's a strange postmodern building. It's an interesting building, but like it's a it's kind of a bizarre building. You've looked at those proposals for other models on the yeah yeah there's eighth cool... floor. Was there a, a Bertrand Goldberg one or maybe was was I, I forget. Um, there's a funny thing to look for. Um, Oscar Ariola, kind of who works there, sensitized me to this. Um, uh, like some of those models are starting to fall apart mm. or things have gotten bumped. Yeah. So there are like ceiling panels that have fallen down on the little miniature people oh. in one of them or like cars that are like flipped upside down in the street or mm. askew. I was looking at it after, um, after the uprisings around, uh, George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, it's kind of amazing. It's like downtown with like 
an overturned car, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but like in that sort of gray, like un, that gray unpainted yeah. ghost, um, quality that, uh, those like architectural model yeah. landscapes have. So you can sort of map any scenario onto them or something. Yeah. Or you like color them in in your head. You know? I mean, it's still it's remarkable that there was a time when they were going to demolish the cultural center. You know, like really? I, I didn't oh know yeah, they tear it down. Yeah, they wanted to tear it down. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, there was like, oh wow, there had to be like a community to drive to save it. Like it's crazy to tear down a building like that. And I mean, it's still it seem it still seems like that. I spent a bunch of time hanging out in that building. Like in more recent years, I was going to write a book going to do some kind of thing centered around that and never it never came to anything but uh it still seems really really underutilized that building i don't think they've come up with a big idea to make it like as alive as it could be that building but as a as just like a i don't know architectural marvel or whatever like as a place to wander around it's it's kind of amazing yeah, it seems like a lot of people still have no idea what happens in there. I mean, yeah, it's like it, yeah. it, it, it needs. I think there's someone who works there who I think it was kind of. Um, they were sort of lamenting the, the lack of promotion of mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of what goes on there. Yeah. And I think it, it it's very strange to me that people don't. I don't yeah. know. Like a bunch of my, I took a bunch of my students there, yeah. and most of them had, yeah, they'd lived in Chicago for a year, and they're going to school yeah. about seven blocks away, and had never been in there. Like sure. didn't know what it was. Right. And um, yeah, and we're like totally uh, transfig. You know, they had never seen the Tiffany stained glass mm-hmm. dome, and just like you know, or I take high school kids there sometimes, and it's like selfie city for. Uh, the next hour sure <laughs> in yeah. That building. yeah i mean ju- um, just the architectural details alone or like you could spend hours and hours exploring mm-hmm. all the all the mosaics and all this other stuff that's in there but i mean my favorite place has always been that common room on the first floor which they keep fucking with and keep changing the furniture in which i don't like there's now sh- really shitty modern furniture in there which just looks like it's from Ikea or something, but I'm sure it's some uh-huh. it's some interior design architect guy. It's remnants of when they had that, was that, that biennial or triennial, that design thing they had in there? Oh, uh, the architecture biennial? Yeah, that that yeah. thing, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Uh, but that in that room is where, like, you know, there's some people hang out there, like, for hours, sometimes days, that go there every day. And there's right. office workers that have lunch in there, but then there's these other people like, you know, the walking man goes, hangs out there. You know, that guy, he, I, I have I, a feeling I, like I've, you've probably seen, uh, there's, there used to be, he doesn't walk so much anymore. He's still downtown. He's this guy with his, but kind of like wavy hair and he would just always be walking around, not talking to anybody. People would take pictures of him. He kind of looked like a, a homeless version of like Daniel Day Lewis to me or something like he's got a really interesting look to him, but uh, he he'd be in there a lot, and all these other people that were, who knows where they lived or what their situations were, but they'd spend a lot of time and people working on their own projects that were not for anybody else, and I would just sit there and watch and listen to them. 
<laughs> yeah, Harold Washington has a bunch of those yeah. people scattered around the building. I, I'm not. I haven't spent as much time in the cultural center, kind of observing the the daily. Yeah, like acti- Yeah, the I feel like I should know who this guy is, but um, I was thinking it was maybe it was this man I used to see all the time for a long time who had he was African American had kind of dreaded mm-hmm. hair and. No, this is a white guy. This is a white guy. But, okay. Yeah. yeah, his clothing was like, was very, it's like it was once white, but it was all, had all just kind of was gray with like mm. dust and dirt. Yeah. And, um, and he was always just completely silent and always moving. Yeah. But yeah, he had the, yeah, he had just like a very, very particular kind of haunting presence. Um yeah. No, I think like I think yeah, p- people I think students they were just like very struck by the like the opulence or yeah. extravagance of this public building that they can freely roam around in. Um, I know. It's it's kind of amazing. It, it's very obviously from a time when buildings building standards and ideas about architecture were very different than they are now, mm-hmm. you know, in contrast to these you know, the structures that we started out talking about that that pop up in a couple of months, you know, like right, this right, is the polar right. opposite of that. You know, they're basically building, you know, fucking Egyptian pyramids, you know, or the right. the, the <laughs> early 20th century equivalent of, you know. <laughs> so where, I forget, where do you teach these days? Uh, where's your main gig? Um, I've been at Columbia for yeah. a long time. Okay, I, I thought I'm it was Columbia. A, yeah. Yeah. And, Lately, it's been more grad students and undergrads, but the mm. grad program is very, very small. I actually have a class with two students in it oh, right wow. now, which is bizarre. But um, what are what's your what's the class that you teach, or are there more? What kind of? I mean, I've done yeah, I've taught. Um, I'm teaching artist books to undergrads in the fall. Right now, mm. I'm teaching this professional practices in fine art mm. class, which I always I always want to think of it more of as um, like sustainable practices yeah <laughs> um uh, because i in my own like i i hate the idea i hate thinking about like the professionalism yeah of uh of of what i do um i mean even though like yeah there are ways of doing things that i think are better than other ways of doing things or sort of like sure basic standards but but a lot of it you know i mean is is i mean like how you i think you know helping people think about like how you, how do you think about like, like like what is a creative community for you or like how do you want to inhabit the world um, like as an artist like what kind of experiences are important to you to have I spent um, yesterday I I had individual meetings with two of the students and one of them was curious about the other art fair you mm. know which is sort of like this branded thing that's different from expo it's kind of it's like a pay-to-play model yeah and um the only time i was part of expo was in a it was in a, an earlier iteration of that it was when for a few years they were in the merchandise mart and the kennedys owned it the expo uh-huh. and yeah, they, they that. ran that like artist thing and i i paid for a booth there for a couple of days and it was a very mixed bag experience but yeah uh-huh <laughs> Where, where was the uh, other? So it, yeah, I didn't go to the other art fair. Was it 
on the pier or was it like in somewhere else? I think it's somewhere in, I think it's somewhere in Fulton Market. Maybe oh, okay. Area. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. That but sounds right. It's one of these things where, you know, people pay like $2,000 yes. and yeah. represent themselves. And, right. And, uh, you know, and then there's a whole website that hosts all of the work and like. Sure. The, the website is like you can actually navigate the website by clicking on tags like landscape. Yeah. Geometric. Exactly. Nude. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just like, it's like trying on the kind of thinking with, with students of, it's like, okay, I, like none of this is for me. I would never do any of this personally, but, yeah. you know, but also like, if like, I don't have student loan debt, you know, yeah. like I'm not, I don't have like $50,000 of debt yeah. hanging over, or, or like, I'm not like trying to have a kid, yeah. you know, or, or all these things. F- that, like, f- people... 50, if you're lucky, it's more like a couple of hundred thousand for a lot of them. You know, it, it could be, yeah, it's, yeah. It's such yeah. a fucking Ponzi scheme. I, I'm not not going to go into my higher ed rant at this moment, but yeah, it's it's fucking horrendous. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, so like, it's like my needs to make money from my work are not the same as other people's needs. Yeah, like you know, but um, but it's like oh, you know, it's like like is this the way you would want your work to be? presented like do you want to talk to people all day mm-hmm. like about what you make in that kind of situation like you know like does it look like the work like the art is the most important thing happening here or yeah. is it like this sort of social experience for other people with art in the background like you know or like you know you just like they just went to expo and yeah. um printed matter were really great and we're like oh if you want us to like comp a bunch of people give us some names and email addresses and we'll add them nice. to our list so i so i just gave them my students names and mm-hmm. emails and they went in for free that way and um and i was like you know like like do you think like do you remember any of the stuff you looked at like yeah. at that fair like do you think people would remember your work yeah if they were also looking at the work of like 300 other people in this kind of blitz of stuff you know and, and like to me that's not how it's not how i want to experience art like it's like the same way with bands like i don't want to go to a yeah. festival and see 20 bands in a day yeah festivals the fucking worst i hate them i've stopped um, i mean i've stopped know, going at completely i just don't don't, don't even try but <laughs> the worst <laughs> yeah i forget the last uh I, I just can't watch 12 bands in a day yeah, like my my back can't do that. I don't think my yeah. ears can't do that. No, it's just sensory overload, and it's too yeah, it's too too much. You're you're not doing you you're not doing any service to any of those people on that stage. You can't pay attention that long, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like one or two bit. You know, like even three is kind of starting to push it sometimes. <laughs> And, yeah. yeah, I get to, I get too distracted by by the presence of. I mean, the last time I think the last maybe the last thing I went to like that was uh, well, I went to Pitchfork when Sonic Youth played all of Daydream Nation, uh-huh. and and I was so irritated by the people around me that I yeah. spent a, about at least a third of the set with my eyes closed. Sure. So it, you know, it was cool seeing like who did what or what. Yeah, they were doing to their guitars to make these sounds that yeah. I was, you know, was familiar with like only from the record for mm-hmm. a couple decades, you know. But um, 
but yeah, like experiencing music with 15,000 other people is, uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm not, try to avoid that. I'm just not a big fan of music outside at all. Eve, anyways, I think it should be played in dark little rooms, but that's, that's me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah, that's where I like lot... music. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, when I was at University of Chicago, um, Come played uh, outside in like the quad. Oh, really? Oh. Of, yeah, <laughs> with um, with uh, Pavement and mm. someone else. And um, was it with Dirty Three or no? Because I saw no, tri- I... I saw a triple bill of Come, Pavement, and Dirty Three, but in Providence in the in the mid mid nineties. If I remember right, that was the show that happened like the next day. Oh, okay. At at Met, at Metro or something. Oh, okay. I think it was yeah, and I think with like some other band thrown in there or something. Mm. But um, or yeah, no, maybe it was like Come Pavement and Dirty Three. Yeah. yeah, this was like the the cheap version um, on campus for yeah. like two dollars or something. Yeah. But yeah, Come played at like three in the afternoon in like yeah. full daylight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that's yeah. I, I remember, yeah, once seeing at a uh, Butthole Surfers play at a proto Lollapalooza type outdoor thing, and it was just felt not right on many, many levels. Like these people should not be out in the daylight, you know. Like, you should, <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't see those people like where there, there's not like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, the cover of night <laughs> and and, <laughs> and uh, other other media happening, you know. I mean, but you know, they would do shit like light symbols on fire which was way before great white so you could do that kind of thing in little clubs right. <laughs> not to mention you know showing sex change operation movies and stuff and planes right. flying backwards and naked people on stage and it's, it was a different time <laughs> yeah i spent but i spend yeah, quite a bit of time like talking to students about how they want their art to be experienced mm-hmm so um so what what do they uh, say do, you, do they say anything that's interesting like, uh, you know, I, mean, I think they're trying, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out like what opportunities are good opportunities. You know, I mean, I'll go through the exhibits with them and we'll read the wall labels together. And, mm. um, uh, we went to the MCA and saw Andrea Bauer's show. And I thought some of the wall labels, the museum wrote mm-hmm. felt like they were trying to like wiggle around something in, that the artist was doing. And it's like, oh. like, so, oh, okay. like, like, I didn't. Cool? I didn't see that cool? one. I didn't That's see okay. that show. Um, oh, it's not good. Okay, it didn't. It didn't look not, like anything I'd be into. But yeah, it, it was. It was more like. I mean, it was. A, it was more of a case study. I thought for. I mean, well, when you take students anywhere, like everything becomes a case study mm. for, <laughs> for 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 something. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually, it's like. A, here's another negative example. Here's a different kind of negative example. Like (laughs) imagine yourself in this awful situation. How does that work out for you? Is it, is that compromise worthwhile Mm. in your view or like a deal breaker? You know, are you cool with this like corporate logo? um, Yeah. Being larger than your name on the wall text. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that kind of shit. You know, it's one of the most fucked up things about the MCA is that, you know, the MCA was started by Jews who weren't allowed to join the Art Institute board. Right, And right. Uh, they end up building this fucking building that looks like it would it could totally belong in Hitler's Germany. <laughs> I hate right. that fucking building. It's gigantic from the outside and feels cramped on the inside. It's just terrible. It's a terrible building, and most of their programming is fucking garbage. <laughs> 
Not not that <laughs> I have than, any. Other than that, though. other than that, yeah, yeah. How did you like the play, Mister Lincoln? Right? Yeah, or whatever the, the <laughs> saying goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never I, heard that. That's amazing. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a. I forget who. That's an old one. But uh, there's been a couple of redeeming moments for me at the MCA. One of which is hearing Disappears play all of uh, David Bowie's "Low" in the auditorium. That was great. And I like the Carrie James Marshall show, but it's very few and far between. Yeah, that show was the Carrie James Marshall show was was amazing. Yeah, and uh, it almost just yeah, I, I it would spare spare the place from the wrecking ball where I if I were, <laughs> if I was king of the world, which that that building would go very quickly. But yeah, yeah I think I saw I saw that show. I think I think at least three times. Yeah, and, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> and uh, and also just like. Um, it was one of those things where the people clearly like the museum had done amazing outreach to get people into that museum who are not normally there. Yeah. And, um, and, and you could just see like the, the obvious pleasure people experienced going mm. through that. I felt the same thing. Like when I saw the Charles white show at the art Institute, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a good show. Like just, just like the the vibe in those galleries mm-hmm. among visitors. Yeah, was uh, like people were just really kind of aglow. Yeah. Um, seeing like my, my wife and I went on the last day. I had mm-hmm. already seen it, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "You're you're not like, like you're not getting away with not seeing this exhibit, even if it's on the last <laughs> day." We're, like we're, we're like, yeah. I mean, just like you know, it's just like I. You dragged like, you, your, know, you, she, you dragged your wife kicking and screaming to go experience some art. <laughs> no, no, my, my wife loves art, but but it's just like but, it, but it's just like I know, like I know that this will be meaningful for you. Like, let's make absolute sure, like, yeah. not to fuck it up and not go to this, you know, together. And um, yeah, and there were like museum guards, like seeing that, like walking yeah. through the exhibit, the, like for the last time. Yeah, like practically like sobbing that they weren't oh. going to get to live with it forever. It was, yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, but yeah, the Curry James Marshall had show had had some of that. Sure, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and w- but, what are what are the, the the students that you're teaching like? What uh, do they show you their work or like what are they working on? Yeah, no, I mean, I, well, like, like the, that, the previous that... semester, I I was doing um, like grad studio seminar or something where I would just, yeah. I would meet with the students individually, mm-hmm. you know, for like, like in rotations, it's like every three weeks I'd talk to someone for like 45 minutes about their work. And yeah, a lot of people, I mean, like quite a bit of people like doing painting and sculpture, like yeah. a lot of practices that really don't, um, it's very rare that I work with people who are working on things that are even remotely like, stuff I do, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of, which is kind of what my grad school experience was mostly like, like mostly I, I had advisors who didn't do similar kinds of work. And I felt like that was good because we would, we would talk more about the ideas or, or just yeah. like what they saw when they looked at the work and what it made them think about and questions that the work generated for them and not like you're doing it wrong because yeah. like, the paintbrush should be different than it is. Right. Like why you're using that kind of stretcher bar or whatever, um, so I, I like I like that part of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, a lot of times it's just me asking them a shitload of questions, um, and making sure that they know th- about things that I think they should know about based on the stuff they're working on. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of a lot of I mean, it's a lot of practices that I can't relate to. Yeah. Or or or, or not that I can't relate to them, I guess, but that I like. It's just not like how I would do it, what I would want to be doing. Yeah. Like what I would want to do at this moment in history. Mm. Um, you know, all, all, all of that, like would involve exhibiting in places I don't want to exhibit in, like you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I try to, uh, be very open and, as useful as I can be, but while knowing that like, you know, this is really like, you know, outside of, um, my, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's odd. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you have to, I mean, it's sort of a good reminder to them, you know, that they have to, if they're going to, cause a lot of them want to teach and it's mm. like, you know, you've got to be able to like figure out how to talk to people who do an extremely varied range of stuff yeah, and not just talk to them one time, but talk to them like six for like five hours, maybe. Yeah, throughout the course of a semester, or possibly more than that if they yeah. take you more than once. And uh, like you know, you've got to be able to sustain a conversation with people doing really, really different. Well, see, then yeah, I bet you're stuff. you're probably a good teacher because there is the other kind of teacher who is trying to basically make little clones of themselves, little baby versions of themselves to run around and to propagate the world with, you know what I mean? Yeah. I try to like work on weird enough stuff that like no one, <laughs> no one's going to do that. I, don't know. I mean, or they, or they can like, but you know, like toward for their own kind of reasons and purposes. But uh, yeah, I tend, I, I tend to never, my my interactions with students like that are the people I don't teach who like reach out to me on their own, mm -hmm. and um, and those you know those are like uh, you know I mean to me it's like those are just like possible colleagues basically you know right like I'm like like I'm not it's just like you know if someone's interested enough to like have the conversation like you know I don't care whether they're 21 or 75 you know it's yeah i mean when students organize things i always sort of try to nudge them in the direction of um you know working with people who are older including people who are from really different you know like multi-generational yeah organizing multi-generational projects that it's like yeah it's cool to like invite your your peers but like Invite someone who's younger than you. Invite someone who's older than you. Invite someone who lives in a different country. Like, you yeah. know, try to expand beyond, like, just doing things with your classmates because they're convenient. Yeah, I um, mean, it's, yeah, it's bizarre that, well, now in the in, internet kind of encourages this, like, these tiny closed bubbles and systems where everybody's just echoing back what you, what you believe and what you are. <laughs> Instead of trying to stretch and see other people's experiences, which, which yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I already know mine. I'm not that, in, I don't need anybody to, you know, like buttress or like echo what I, what I say or what I believe. I want to hear something different. I want to tell, mm -hmm. I want them to tell me I'm full of shit, you know, like <laughs> that, that would get my attention a lot quicker than like some like empty compliment or whatever, you know? Yeah, all, all of the students I work with are too polite for yeah. for that. 
I um, loved. I got to teach a little bit last year, and I, they loved hearing the, the kids loved hearing these stories about crits when I was in school, where people were crying. You know, it's, they just thought it was amazingly exotic, and it would never happen. And those teachers that would lead a crit like that would be fired immediately. You know, like it just would not last. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. If, do people still cry in crits? I feel like I haven't. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were crying on Zoom with their camera off uh, right. during the pandemic. They they would mute they would mute themselves and turn the camera off, <laughs> <laughs> so nobody could catch them crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, or I mean, what's more common is probably they would leave the program because right. like everyone has so much anxiety. <laughs> right now that i mean i mean i mean i think like yeah i think that there's the programs you know, that, are a lot of, that, uh, that are creating the artificial anxiety that doesn't need to be there <laughs> well it's just it's a really like impossible time to be i think it's a really impossible time to be a student and no i don't i don't like, envy the, the, the these kids at all years. yeah i don't i don't envy them in the least and they they've a lot of them have been cheated by these by these institutions that keep charging them money for what they're passing off as a fucking education. Yeah. yeah I was very surprised that like, I don't know. I mean, there, there are very few people who came into this grad program this year. Mm -hmm. um, there were more last year and, you know, I keep trying to think about like, you know, what I would have done at that age if there was hey, I... this pandemic going yeah. on. And, and I just, you know, I probably would have like, continued living at my parents house for a yeah. couple more years or something or or just gotten like a crappy job and lived in a crappy place yeah when when i was at the art institute in undergrad i had a teacher that didn't show up to a couple of classes and he would like he s sent like other people to like sit in for him because he was a working jazz musician he was like gigging and uh -huh. I I demanded that they give me a refund, and I just kept sitting in the in the fucking office until they did, because my reasoning being that like, you know, if I had missed three classes, I would flunk, and this guy flunked, you know, like and right, I, right. I made, I, and they they try to give me the one run around after another, like, well, you're paying this this tuition, we can't really split up the money. I was like, yes, you can, <laughs> and they did, but yeah, but. I, yeah, so if if I was a kid now, I would not, you know, I would not be participating. I would feel completely, completely uh, cheated, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know people who, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know people who are that jazz musician, and I mean, it's yeah, I think it's unethical, but. That's no. not. That's not. Uh, yeah, he was. It's funny. He was just in the news. He got named something. He's still around. Uh, got he's some like the head of something now i wonder how many of these how often he shows up to those classes <laughs> <laughs> i won't name names but <laughs> it's kind of funny um <laughs> yeah it's been it's been interesting like trying to like think through with students like how how they're going to do their work when like nothing nothing is dependable yeah um and uh i mean for me like you know it's like i just drop things off at the post office mostly or like yeah like if quimby's is functioning i can bring things there like all these stores are mostly functioning quite well and like crazily like people have opened new bookstores mm -hmm. you know, during this yeah, period yeah. um like some people are just really driven to 
do this, you know, despite the fact that it's a difficult time to do it. But um, yeah, so it, it's it's had less effect than yeah. But I'm just I'm not really planning exhibits, and I'm not I haven't gone to tons and tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think everyone's kind of figuring out like what they absolutely need and what they can easily. Yeah, and you were saying earlier on about how you you f- sort of felt weary about like the. The, the work it'll take to publish a new thing. Is there anything like that you're working on now that's new? That's that will be that will be come out in some sort of a printed form. Oh yeah, there's yeah no, there's a bunch of projects. Okay. I'm just I'm just being I'm just being like you know I'm just having like a a, a couple weeks of like some I don't know yeah I think it's it's like end of semester yeah. end of the school year. I also work with high school kids and that's kind of wrapping up. Oh okay. Um, so yeah, all this stuff is sort of. I, I was doing a project with fourth graders, and that ended. Oh, wow. But but they're having like an exhibit of the project, so there's like stuff to take care of for that. So it's just sort of it's like a period where it's like there are lots of little, there are a lot of bureaucratic things and mm-hmm. sort of loose ends that make it hard to concentrate on uh, things that are not like filling mail orders. Yeah, uh, that are more creative. Also, I had to finish watching. Um, I binge watched uh, all of the uh, the last two seasons of uh, Cobra Kai, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which which I which I which I got into through my um, high school students because we were watch- we were watching it together after school and I was I got super sucked into it. Oh wow! And uh, and it's one of those shows where it's this is why I like try never to get into uh, yeah TV series because sure. I'm like I'm so late to the game. Mm-hmm. That it means I have like twenty hours of uh, viewing. Yeah, well, they, ahead of me, they they make they make those things that way on purpose, so you get sucked in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's genius, <laughs> evil genius. Yeah, something. It's junk. Like food. Make, it's it's, it's like, junk food, but yeah. I don't know. I thought it was. I mean, I got quite a bit out of yeah. it, but. Yeah. Also, it was fun watching it with high school students because anything where you're yeah, watching, yeah, I bet, because you're watching like some other like this other version of high school mm-hmm. with like where some things are relatable and some things are totally not relatable, like yeah. pool parties. Yeah, I do. <laughs> no, one, yeah. no one in Chicago is going to like pool parties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the past year or so, I've been doing this uh, like twice a month podcast about horror movies with. With another, with a writer who's, you know, she's like 31, I think, and that's been mm-hmm. really fascinating because all of her frames of reference are so different than mine, you know. Uh-huh. And it's fun, it's a fun challenge to try to find stuff that she's never even heard of or hasn't seen or reframed it in some way she hasn't thought of. But and I, yeah, I learned a lot listening to. I was trying to watch uh, Evil Dead 2 with the high school kids but none of the streaming services anyone subscribed to had it mm. and I, I didn't get the DVD for them or something because they've all seen like the Sam Raimi um, Spider-Man movies yeah he's done so many superhero movies by now yeah. right but they have no idea about like you know it, the classic shit yeah yeah we're gonna uh, we're gonna do uh, our, our next one I think we're talking about is Heavenly Creatures which is a very early, oh, yeah. early Peter Jackson movie be, before, right, right. before he became shitty but <laughs> I mean I, I think that's his best movie but like by far uh, is his best movie and it's not available on any streamer right now 
I, I assume he's pr they're probably going to re-release it at some point. But yeah, right now the only place you can watch it is archive.org. Like oh okay yeah you can just, somebody uploaded it there you know so that's, archive dot org is amazing that was yeah, like a big yeah. I spent a lot of time on there um, yeah yeah they have some really cool stuff teaching remotely mm. I was using it a lot for um, this artist book class because there's yeah. so many zines yeah and publications that people have scanned beautifully in their yeah. entirety so it's like you know I could send them to Printed Matters website to look at artist books and they could see like you know three or four spreads from various yeah. publications, but, but archive.org, you know, has just all these complete publications and, uh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Hey, let me get some, some water real quick. We should probably like, no one's going to listen to all of this, but you, uh, it or something. No, I mean, let, let's just, uh, let, let, let's call it, let's wrap it up. And, and oh, okay. Then, yeah, I think, yeah, you've, <laughs> we've put it, we've put in the time and, Oh Jesus. Yeah. It's like over two hours. So. Yep. So, somebody will listen to it. We, you're not the long, you're now yeah, the second longest one of, uh, the one I just posted this morning was with the, uh, musician Emmett Kelly. And it, that was two and a half hours. Uh, I started listening to that and then, um, <laughs> I went in like walk the dog twice yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, re and realized it was still going. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, two and a half hours. <laughs> okay i'm not i'm not like i'm against competition and we don't no, need no. to break the record <laughs> no, no, no we don't and and you should you should go get some water but thank you so much for doing this mark uh i appreciate yeah it. this was a fun conversation we covered a, a lot um, amazing uh range of things that i haven't thought about mostly in a long time good and uh, yeah i'll let Which you know cool. i'll let you know when it's up and uh so you can tell all your friends and enemies about it you know i will do that Cool. Talk to you soon. Yeah, take care, Dimitri. Thank you. Bye.